Welcome to the Personal Finance Podcast Show with me, content editor Ruan Uester. We declared October Tax Month with a medium-term budget review being presented by the Minister of Finance in Parliament on the 26th and the subsequent enactment of various tax law amendment bills following the Big Brother budget in February. There's also a lot of tax talk in the pipeline across various subject matters. Last week, we discussed pension fund reform and the tax implications thereof. And the recording is available on all major podcast platforms such as Google, Apple and Spotify. You can also find it on Anchor and the IOL website under the personal finance section. Today in our second installment of our four-episode tax month series in collaboration with the South African Institute of Tax Practitioners or SITE for short, we will be unpacking research and development incentives or R&D as the bean counters refer to it. R&D incentives have been around for a while and tweaked on occasion, but have not been particularly successful. South Africa is no Silicon Valley, if you know what I mean. National Treasury has also become quite averse to incentives in general, as there's been much talk about scrapping it altogether. Just in my personal capacity, my income protection policy premium was disallowed as a deduction not too long ago. And of course, our medical aid contribution incentives have been cut to the bone. But this is a bit of a different conversation, an incentive that's more aimed at companies. Um, we have sites. CEO Keith Engel back on the call with his new wingman, Darren Margo, who is an admitted attorney and patent specialist. Darren specializes in the drafting of and prosecution of patent applications and conducting patent searches. He also prepares opinions on novelty and infringement matters in the fields of patent design and copyright law. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. In unison, there you go. As a start, perhaps, Keith, you can explain to my listeners what a tax incentive is and what are the largest tax incentives we have and how R&D fits into this mix. Okay. Let me take that. It's a bit of a policy issue there. Look, I mean, the tax incentive, basically the income tax is designed to tax your economic income. So, you know, how much did I really take home? And, you know, how much did I really make in profit per year looking at the economics? Now, a tax incentive is when I make the money, but then I don't have to be taxed on it. So the typical tax incentive could be an exemption. So you'll see that in Africa for mining and certain ones where they might be bringing home hundreds of millions. But there's a specific exemption that says no tax because we want you to come and invest. So that's that's a very standard one. Those aren't very popular anymore. The other ones are on, on an expense side. So in order to encourage R&D, what they did is they said, normally it might cost you, if you, um, if you spend 100, you normally can deduct 100 from your income because that's how much you expend. But the R&D incentive says for every 100 you spend, you get to deduct 150. And that that's, you know, it's giving you more than the economics. So even though you spend 100, you get 150 deduction. That's simple what incentives are about. The question is, why do you do them? Well, you do them if they're done properly in order to encourage certain activities. So they're trying to drive you in a certain space. In the case, that's what they were doing with R&D. Darren, uh, what has the approach been over the years? And what, has the, uh, what were the outcomes? And why were authorities at one stage so averse to it? Ruan, you're using the perfect word here, approach and the word policy approach. 15 years ago, 16 years ago, before the birth of this incentive at all, this wasn't going to sit in the Income Tax Act at all. In fact, there was a big lobby to put this as a cash grant. 
But for a number of reasons at the time, for better or for worse, this has found its way, this incentive has found its way in the Income Tax Act. And so it's couched in the wording of tax. But at the same time, it's couched in the words of intellectual property legislation, the Patent Act and the Design Act. And that's why this is something of a prickly pair to deal with over the years. It's also, if I may say, it's lost its way in a few aspects during the course of the years, but there's been a big shakeup and a big change in personnel in the authorities running it. And from what we've seen in just the last week alone, there is much reason to celebrate that things are very much on track and we're actually very excited about what we see, the Treasury and DSI planning for the future. So dwindling private sector spending on research has been flagged as a major concern for many years and has been blamed for South Africa's diminishing research coffers. Now, South Africa offers a 150% rebate on company expenditure and R&D, and criticism of the low uptake have been voiced since its inception in 2006. Now, Darren, in layman terms, now when I say layman, that's not to me, my mother and, and Audrey, who's my executive editor that's also on the call, please explain to me what... Uh, rebate on company expenditure means and how this works in, in, in by way of example. Certainly. And the best thing to say to you is that it's not just there for the taking. You cannot simply tick a check block that says, I'm doing R&D, therefore I need to get the money handed back, please. There is a lot of administration and effort that's required by the authorities to give you what is a very generous consideration, and rightly so. Um, as you started by saying, every rand that is given to a taxpayer here in this R&D incentive is taken away, in inverted commas, from UIF contributions, particularly in these difficult times. And that's a large reason, I would suggest, why there hasn't been very much uptake and dwindling uptake. It's fair to say um, that to a large extent, the old incentive has collapsed under its weight of bureaucracy and red tape. It's also very complicated to understand. And a lot of people have said, it's just too much effort. I would rather forego the benefit because I don't have the time and effort to expend in something that is Greek to me, the language of intellectual property and the language of tax. And that is actually the underscoring line, what the authorities have done. They have cut through that in the proposed changes that they want to introduce from next year. So, Darren, perhaps you can give us an example of how this 150% applies to company expenditure. So, if some company spends 150 rand, he can claim 150 rand back? Um, correct. And the best way I can explain it is this. This is a good news aspect. There's no difference to the way that you're claiming your expenditure. If I pay 1,000 rand in salaries to my technical engineers during the work, I will continue to do so. And it's simply a case, ultimately, of ticking the appropriate block in my tax return to now suddenly claim um, 150% of that rather than 100% of it. That's the good news side of it, the financial side. The more difficult side is the technical and the administrative process of claiming. Okay. Now, Keith, last week you mentioned that government is trying to fix some of the gaps in the economy with this incentive. But as it's the norm, we actually know whether the we don't know whether the R and D spend in a company will have the desired effect. What are some of the major industry complaints about the incentive systems, and are the role players aware of the complexity, like Darren just said, of the application process, resources needed, and the cost of these incentives? Look, I think this battle's been going on for quite some time, and it's it's a bit of a balance. The one hand, you want research and development. The other hand is you don't want people abusing it, taking advantage of things that really are not R&D. To complicate things further, and that's why this thing was so complicated, when government came up with this, and I was in government on the side, the problem was they didn't really know what R&D they wanted. That's the problem. What is R&D? Is there anything you advance or develop that's new? 
Um, what is something that really is going to be stimulating the economy? And so government really didn't understand the factual basics of what intellectual property was that they were searching for that would stimulate the economy. So the problem was when they drafted the legislation, they started seeing people taking normal expenses, normal upgrades, and they were claiming more than they should. And it became a problem. And the difficulty, I think, started at a government level because they were unclear. So what happened then was, and we were there, the decision was, in order to claim this deduction, you need to go to government first and get a pre-approval. So normally when you claim it 100%, the normal deduction, you just claim it. But here, you have to go in government through the Department of Science and Technology and get approval. And the reason why the approval process was added was to make sure government understood what it was giving the incentive to. So on the government side, it stopped the abuse. The problem was, is once you have a pre-approval process, that costs money and it costs time. It just, you can't just do it, especially if you're not a tax person. So now you got to hold, you got to pull all these papers together. You got to go before a committee that slows things down. And so government has been trying to balance stopping the abuse and finding out what they really want and so the purpose of the process, and I think the Department of Science and Technology is critical here, is now they've seen all these applications, they have a clear idea of what they want. So as they get a clear idea of what they want, that starts to streamline the system and reduce some of the cost. But again, administrative process will continue, but hopefully in a lighter way. Now, Darren, you work with a lot of clients, innovators, inventors, scientists, who all have to kind of go through this application process that Keith just mentioned. You know, and as a country where the CAT scan was developed, we conducted the first heart transplant, papal founder Rudolf Buerta was born here, Elon Musk of Tesla was born here. There's a lot of intellectual capital and, and innovation going behind the scenes, but it almost sees that we kind of they're born here and then they go develop it elsewhere. Um, how can we kind of simplify this process, as Keith just said, to make it easier for these people to just kind of run with it and develop these ideas to become great, the great ideas that they are um, intended to be? Well, Ron, your, your question there is prescient because that is exactly what Treasury is addressing in the latest set of proposed amendments. What they're doing is they're taking out the major thrust of how it is that we define research and development to get you into uh, over the line to be able to claim this incentive. They essentially want to scrap these technical intellectual property-based definitions and replace it with one word, and that word is new. They want your research to be new, which lowers the technical bar, which is not to say people aren't doing great work, but it's made easier and removes a lot of this unnecessary technicality for the great majority of persons. And I might say specifically, and this comes out in the memorandum, specifically for smaller industry in South Africa. They've heard the calls over the years, and this is how they're introducing it. It's, it might not have been the way that our firm might have phrased us, for example, if we were tasked with the changes. But as we've said in our commentary, it's eminently workable, and we think it's going to embrace a larger scope of persons and make the process easier for those who really are doing their best at R&D in the country. So, Keith, um, Darren just mentions new and a memorandum and a draft bill. Maybe just give us uh, our listeners a bit of a context about what draft bill and memorandum he's referring to. Yeah, what they're doing is they sent out a separate uh, discussion document and media paper. So what they've been doing is they've been examining this for a while. 
They've sent out separate papers. And now what they've come out with is what they plan to do. So it's not actual legislation yet. It's just in draft form for comment. And once it goes through the process, you'll probably see it in legislation next year. And in that legislation, what also is going on originally, what they've done with all the incentives is they put sunset clauses on them. They said these are going to terminate within a year or two. What they did with the R&D in the, in the draft proposal is they said they're going to extend it by 10 years, which is critical because if you, you need to know the incentive is going to be there for a while if you're going to use it. So that's, that's generally the technical thing. So basically what I think you'll see now is the process continues as before, but at least you've got good people involved at the Department of Science and Technology. So the door is somewhat more open than it once was as a practical matter. But then I think by sometime later next year, you'll see the new process in place. Keith, when you say that, do you mean National Treasury or the Department of Science and Technology? The Department of Science and Technology runs the application process. The law is being run by National Treasury. Sorry for that confusion. <laughs> Darren, now let's bring the two together. You just mentioned the, the, the portion that was mentioned in the Tax Act and then other definitions that's in the Patent Act and other complicated acts that, that I know nothing about. How do we bring these two systems together? You know, our departments tend to work in silos and, 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 and downstream. How would you propose or are they looking at how to kind of National Treasury does the law and the Department of Science and Technology who's doing the application work together harmoniously and, and, and getting our scientists and our innovators working um, faster and quicker and, and, and kind of filling these gaps in our economy. How we do it in a single word is clarity. Our comment just this week on the proposed changes is that a very clear definition of what it means to be new must be put in. There must be no doubt in the minds of the taxpayer. If this incentive is going to fail for any taxpayer, it mustn't be because they failed right at the start to understand what is new and what is not. It must be because of technical nuances at the very, very end affecting only the fewest the smallest percentage of taxpayers. Um, what we also need is appropriately qualified experts who do breathe these things day in and day out in their workload. And I'm very glad to say that the incumbent directorate, it's the DSI, it was once the DST, it's now called the DSI. But the current director is a lady called Christelle Vormerans, very accomplished patent attorney herself. She meets that mold. Um, the counterpart at Treasury, in fact, there are few. Um, Haley Reynolds comes to mind, for example, She's been steeped in this over at least 15 years in drafting various iterations. And for the first time in a long time, we've got a panel of people who have a very rich grasp of not only what is the technical side of things, but also what the taxpayers have been saying over the years. It really is, for the first time in a long time, a good news story to share with taxpayers. And just to add something on the other side, too, for people who are looking to take the incentive, and that's why Darren is here, is you can't just have a normal tax person who just knows the tax act pushing these things forward. You need somebody who understands research and development and patent and intellectual property. That's what it's about. And that's why you need two departments, because you need a department who understands the technical side. This is not just a tax issue. Ultimately, at the point of view, it's really a science issue. That's what needs to happen. Yes, and I agree with you, Darren. It's the Department of Science and Innovation. I, I keep going back to the old. You can see the gray hair. So <laughs> it's there. Audrey, the executive editor of Business Report and Personal Finance, um, who's always listening in the background, has a quick little question for both of you because she comes from a from a, a, a farming community where her dad was quite the innovator um, with farming technologies, and she's very, very kind of uh, uh, involved in agri-tech agri and agriculture and innovation. Audrey, 
Uh, most deaf. Uh, thank you so much, Ron. My question is who is, the, who is the incentive aimed at? Big business, startups? Can you maybe elaborate a little bit on that? If I may uh, come in, and this isn't my wording, this comes directly from the authorities themselves in the explanatory memorandum where they explain the philosophy behind it. They've specifically addressed the issue of smaller taxpayers falling by the wayside. And part of this whole drive, the, the central focus of introducing this word new has been directed towards simplifying it and bringing into the field the smaller taxpayers. It will, of course, benefit the larger taxpayers too, but it is most certainly for the smaller ones here. That's one of the things they've done to embrace a larger group of taxpayers. Keith and, 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 and Darren, as a last little question, and, and it pertains to Audrey's question as well. So here I am. I've just invented something fabulous in my garage in, 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 in Kensington and Johannesburg. What do I do next? Because I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm a small town, a business who has a little electrical shop in the city. Where do I go to from now? Because all this is so exciting. Um, um, do I phone the Department of Science? Do I go to a member of site who will help me kind of do this? Keith um, and Darren, tell us how do, how do we change the world? Yeah, well, I think the bottom line is, is that when you're developing something like this, before you deal with the tax, you actually need to deal with the intellectual property itself. So when you're developing it, that's that's again why I'm saying the person who is helping you develop your intellectual property, get it patented or licensed or copyrighted or trademarked or whatever you're trying to do, then you, you consult with them as well on the tax side and in order to move this application forward. Now, the application process, as Darren will tell you, is becoming a little bit more flexible before it was very rigid. If you miss certain deadlines, you were out even if you did something good. So he can tell you about the timing of that. But it is important to bring in your intellectual property experts sooner rather than later, period, even without regard to the tax. Darren? Uh, thank you, Keith. Um, if I may approach your question from, from this perspective, what's missing? Well, what's missing is a guideline. What's missing is some form of interpretation to assist the taxpayer. To their credit, the DSI has finally made a very big step forward, which they were working on in years, and that is getting a web-based system which has pre-formulated forms that enables a taxpayer to filter in the information appropriately. But what's missing is an explanation right off the bat to help people to understand what might qualify, what might not. How do I proceed? Who do I contact? It's a recommendation that we have made in our commentary. I think it's indispensable because without those tools, it might be something of, of a, a white tiger, a paper elephant, if you will. Darren, as an entry point, and as of my final thought, would uh, would um, this, the the small business or the individual taxpayer who wants to access these incentives or want advice around these things that we discussed today, would they um, contact the South African Institute of Tax Practitioners to get someone to assist them, or is there another portal that they can visit? Well, they certainly could, with the greatest of pleasure. I'm a member of the SAIT, and yeah. we have all sorts of tax incentives. In fact, not only tax incentives, but grants. Yeah. And our team would definitely channel you in the right direction. You are most welcome to. There's rich uh, material also on the SAIT website, which can be read at leisure. Um, beyond that, there are a few places you might reach out. Intellectual property attorneys must, at the very least, you would think, know of the incentive, and they will guide you in the appropriate direction. Mm -hmm. 
Fantastic. As usual, the time has caught up with us again, and we'll have to leave the conversation there. But one thing is for sure, the current economic climate is calling for some bright ideas, disruption, and innovative solutions. And none of that will happen if the government doesn't create a conducive environment to do so. And it seems that they are. Now it's for the layman, the man on the street, the average Joe to actually go come forward and access all these different divisions and access points that Darren and Keith explained to us today. Thank you, Keith and Darren, for an absolutely fascinating conversation. And to our listeners, please tune in next week for the follow-up episode of with the South African Institute of Taxation, where we will talk be talking what about what, Keith? Uh, I think we're talking about environment. That's the next. Oh, episode. we're talking about green taxes and green ele- taxes. energy energy incentives. Yes, which often involves R and D as well. Storm <laughs> offender. <laughs> we like to kind of kind of link all, all all the loose ends together. Well, if our listeners have any questions or remarks on what was discussed today or what we will be discussing next week, please email me at ruan.us.inl.co.za or pop us a message on our Twitter or Facebook profiles. Our podcasts are available on all major platforms as mentioned previously and it will also be loaded on the iol.co.za platform under the personal finance section. This podcast might be supported by advertising. Until next time, this is Ruan Yusuf for Tax Month and the Personal Finance Podcast. Mm -hmm. Goodbye.